A recent trial funded by pharmaceuticals company Eli Lilly found that the antibody Mab showed promise in the treatment of early Alzheimer's disease. At 76 weeks, patients in the study who were being treated with Mab had better composite scores for cognition and the ability to perform activities in their day-to-day life than participants who had been given a placebo. Today, I am talking to Dr. Adam Hamlin, an associate professor at the University of New England. Adam is a senior lecturer in biomedical science at UNE and previously investigated mechanisms of neurodegeneration in diseases like Alzheimer's at the Queensland Brain Institute. So just to get started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your areas of research? Yeah, thank you, Ash. Um, Like most academics, I'm three people. Um, So my teaching really focuses on a um, a major in neuroscience in the Bachelor of Science degree and a Master's of Neuroscience, and I also teach into the medical program, uh, particularly neurology and psychiatry, into the medical program. Uh, Currently, I have three main research interests. Um, One of them is looking at post-streptococcal neurological disorders. Uh, So this is a disorder where... Uh, People have repeated strep infections, sore throat, skin infections, etc. And in some individuals, they develop neurological uh, signs, such as Sydenham's career, which is a movement disorder, and even obsessive-compulsive disorder. Uh, So I've got a PhD student, Ria Tharpa, uh, investigating that. I also have an interest in the effects of um, antidepressants on the gut microbiome and how that interaction occurs to look at the efficacy of uh, some of these drugs. I've got two honours students, Sharanya and Lauren, um, working on this project. And I'm also doing a little bit of Alzheimer's research still. Um, like you said in your introduction, most of my research in Alzheimer's was when I was back at the Queensland Brain Institute. Um, but we're looking at now the link between um, diabetes and Alzheimer's disease. So. Diabetes is a, is a risk factor for the development of Alzheimer's disease. So I've got a master's student, uh, Destiny Powell, who's developed a model in mice, so we can investigate this. Um, so Alzheimer's is a neurodegenerative disease. For people who don't know what that means, could you explain what that means? Sure. So a neurodegenerative disease is any disease of the nervous system where the brain cells die. Um, so dementias, of which Alzheimer's is one of the dementias, is one such neurodegenerative disease, but other people may have uh, people may have heard of other um, neurodegenerative diseases such as Parkinson's disease. In Parkinson's disease, it's um, dopaminergic neurons that degenerate, which causes the motor dysfunction. Uh, people may have also heard of motor neuron disease, uh, which affects the spinal motor neurons. They degenerate, again, a movement disorder. Uh, but with Alzheimer's disease, uh, the neurodegeneration particularly affects areas involved in cognition, as do all the dementias. Now, of course, our cognitions and our learning and memory functions, our personality, our beliefs, um, <coughs> judgment, rational thought, uh, so all of those things uh, degenerate. So how does Alzheimer's physically affect the brain? Like, How does the brain chemistry change? Sure. Okay, so very early on in the disease, it affects uh, a neurotransmitter system called acetylcholine. And acetylcholine is critical for learning and memory. Um, so some of the early drugs, we're going to talk about drugs a bit later on, but the early drugs really target this 
um, cholinergic system by using drugs called cholinesterase inhibitors, which try and enhance the amount of acetylcholine uh, in the brain. Uh, this works in the very early stages um, of Alzheimer's disease. So what we'll see in these very early stages is really problems with learning and memory function. And this is learning new information initially. So it affects uh, an area of the brain called the hippocampus in particular, which is a very, very ancient part of our cortex that evolved into fishes. So, Ash, if I asked you what you had for lunch yesterday, would you be able to tell me? No, because I actually don't remember. You don't remember what you <laughs> had for remember. lunch yesterday? Think hard. I think I had McDonald's. McDonald's for lunch <laughs> yeah. yesterday. Okay, so what, but what did you have for lunch on the 16th of April? Honestly, probably nothing. Probably nothing? Probably nothing. Okay, but you don't have a good memory of that, do you? No. 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 So what the hippocampus does is it has this ability to hold things in memory for about 24 hours, which yeah. is why you can remember what you had for lunch yesterday. It is then involved in moving those memories into long-term memory by transferring them out to the cortex to store as a long-term memory if it thinks it was a significant event. So if this, if I said the 16th of April to you, we know, oh, that was my birthday and we went out for dinner and I remember exactly what we had because it had some emotional significance. So really that's what the hippocampus is doing, is hold things in memory for a day. If it thinks it was significant, it will store as a long-term memory. So what happens with people with Alzheimer's disease is that process is then broken. And they're unable to learn any new, what we call, episodic memories. These are the episodes of our life. Whereas their long-term memories initially will be fine. But then obviously as the disease then progresses, Okay, so it's a progressive disease. So starting off with those type of dysfunctions, but then it moves into the cortex, particularly the frontal areas of the cortex, where we'll start to see other forms of memory dysfunctions, such as long-term memory, working memory, but also things like rational thought, judgment, personality start to be affected. So really this is why the disease is so devastating, because if you really think about who we are as people, okay, we are our cognitions, we are our memories, our personality, our beliefs, our goals. Uh, so very, very devastating, particularly for the people um, or for the loved ones that are caring for these people to see that change. They no longer recognise them. They're not who they used to be. Yeah. So what are some of the causes and, I guess, risk factors for Alzheimer's? A very good que question. So... First of all, I think I need to explain there's two Alzheimer's diseases. Okay. Okay, there's a real one, mm -hmm. which is called early onset Alzheimer's disease. It affects about 5% of people that suffer from Alzheimer's disease. And this usually occurs in people under the age of 50. This is a disease we understand quite well. Okay, it's due to three uh, genetic mutations. One of them is in what's known as the amyloid precursor protein. Uh, so when we make proteins, we make these large protein molecules and two enzymes known as the presenilins. So what these enzymes are responsible for is cutting up the proteins into functional proteins. And what happens in this disease is they cut it at the wrong spot. So we make what's known as a dysfunctional protein. Uh, we tend to call them a misfolded uh, protein. And this is what we see in all neurodegenerative disorders as we see 
an accumulation of this form of protein. So that's the disease we really understand. The other 95% of Alzheimer's disease, we have no idea. That's known as a sporadic disease. We know the risk factors are age. So certainly over the age of 65, we see an increase uh, in the amount of people uh, getting Alzheimer's disease, and it does increase with age. Um, it's slightly higher in the female population as well. Uh, not that's a risk factor, it may be just uh, to do with um, the distribution of male and females at that age. But other risk factors are a lot to do with cardiovascular uh, diseases, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, uncontrolled diabetes mm. tend to be uh, risk factors, but we do not understand um, what is causing the disease, what the trigger is. Yeah, because you did mention diabetes being linked to it. Yeah, before. as a risk factor. Yeah. So is that type 1 or type 2? or uh, Any hyperglycemia, which is where yeah. you have too much uh, insulin. Of course, type 2 diabetes is much more prevalent uh, and often undiagnosed uh, as well, whereas type 1 diabetes, usually born with that, that's picked up early and well-treated. Yeah. So what are some of the treatments that are available for Alzheimer's? So like I said, uh, early on in those stages, I mentioned those um, cholinesterase inhibitors. So they, they work by increasing the amount of acetylcholine in the brain. Um, so that's one. Um, these will only work in the very early stages of the disease while we still have neurons that make acetylcholine, but they will eventually degenerate. Once they're gone, those drugs are no longer effective. Um, so they were the first drugs. They've been around for quite some time now. Uh, another drug that's um, also used is one called Nementine, uh, which targets a different neurotransmitter system, which is the glutamatergic system. Uh, it's an, what's called an NMDA receptor antagonist. Uh, so what we do understand is the mechanisms of the cell death, so the neurodegeneration, what kills the neurons, uh, is a process called excitotoxicity. Um, and the NMDA receptor is um, part of that process of excitotoxicity. So by blocking the function of this receptor, um, we slow down the progression of the disease. So this is usually used in moderate um, levels. Um, but I guess more recently, and why we're here talking today, is about these new yeah. Um, drugs. Uh, so, obviously, you, you mentioned the donanumab, which has yep. um, been in the media quite a bit over the last few weeks, but it's the third um, of this class of drugs that's been a approved by the FDA in the last two years. Okay. Um, so, there's been a couple of other ones, uh, ricanumab and aducinumab um, as well, uh, which were from Biogen, another pharmaceutical company. Are they all the uh, same company? type yes. of antibody? They are. Yeah. So with Alzheimer's disease, we see two main pathologies uh, in the brain. We see the accumulation of what's known as the plaques. These are our amyloid beta plaques. Mm -hmm. So it's an extracellular buildup. Remember I said that we get the misfolding of the proteins. Yes. So when we get a misfolded protein and we can't clear them properly, they just accumulate and form these clumps that we call the plaques, extracellular. So this is pathological hallmark of Alzheimer's disease is these plaques yeah. that we see in the brain. Uh, and the other one is known as neurofibrillary tangles, uh, which again is another misfolding protein called tau, 
Yeah. And this accumulates inside the neurons and kills the neurons um, that way. So for some time there's been this amyloid hypothesis of Alzheimer's disease that the, the amyloid is critical to the disease process because we see this nice correlation between plaque and people with Alzheimer's disease. It's a little bit controversial. There are many people who upon autopsy where we see amyloid plaque but no cognitive changes. So it's certainly not the entire story. So what these new class of drugs do is target that amyloid beta plaque. So what what these drugs do, they're antibodies. That, so they're called a monoclonal antibody. And these antibodies will then go out and seek out these plaques and basically dissolve the plaques and clear the plaques from the brain. Um, so all three of these drugs have shown uh, improvements in people's cognition. They are not cures, and the disease will still progress, okay, but they slow the progression of the disease. So this is really giving us some good evidence that the amyloid is involved in the disease process, but it's also not the entire story. So particularly with this new drug, which has been, has been the most effective, uh, what they've been able to show, so we use PET scanning technology, positron emission tomography, uh, which is an imaging tool. Um, now with this imaging tool, uh, you're injected with a, a radioactive ligand. Uh, this radioactive ligand, again, will have an antibody that binds to the beta amyloid and we can, it emits gamma rays and we can image them. So this is absolutely required. So you need to be able to visualize the amyloid and beta plaques using a PET scan technology. Uh, then they're given intravenous injections um, with this newer drug, the, the donanumab, it's every four weeks. With those older drugs, it's a bit more frequent. Um, so intravenous injections, PET scan again, and what they're able to show is the clearing of this amyloid beta uh, from the brain. And like you said in your introduction, improvement in their cognition, improvement in their ability to maintain um, daily life functions for a little bit longer. So if you look at the data carefully, what they... Uh, the showing. So it's only we're only up to 18 months in this phase three trial. So that's the data that we have at the moment. Um, is that the control group that was given the placebo? They declined to a point okay, at around 10 to 13 months, where the group getting the drug reached that same level about 18 months. Okay, so that's what they mean by slowing this cognitive decline. Now. That's reasonably significant. You get a four or five month in improvement, and of course, that can a lot of things can happen during that time as well um, to people's lives. So this is pretty exciting um, data, but not the whole story. There are also risk factors with these drugs. So we've been, well, when I say we, I mean the, the scientific community has been um, investigating these compounds for a long time. Of course. Um, by the time we get to a phase three trial, these drugs have been in development, if we're lucky, 15 years, but more likely 20 years. Yeah. There's been a lot of failures uh, with these drugs where they've shown no changes at all and have been quite dangerous as well. And they've killed a lot of people mm. as well through usually bleeds in the brain and, and brain swelling and edemas. Uh, and this was the case with this new drug as well. There's a few people... Um, 
uh, who died as a result of uh, edema. So they're, they're not without risk. Uh, of course, also, they're going to be incredibly expensive yeah. uh, initially, probably looking at around $40,000, plus all the PET scans, uh, etc. Um, but but it's always a moving goalpost. And this is just another step uh, in the process of um, understanding the disease and treatment for the disease, which is going to be essential moving forward. Yeah. So would you say we're at a, I guess, a, a turning point in understanding the disease and treatments of it? It's baby steps. It's yeah. always baby steps. It's the whole community. Um, we're trying to understand the disease. So this is... I guess now after all the, the amyloid hypothesis and everything, all the controversy around that, I, I guess this is showing uh, the scientific community that it is involved, but it isn't the whole story. So we can't rest on our laurels and say this is the direction that we need to take. It's one direction we need to take. Uh, for sure, we need to keep developing um uh, these drugs, uh, but we can't forget about everything else in the meantime. And I guess one of the concerns um, here is, you know, because we're getting success uh, with these drugs, that most of the focus of development will now be on these drugs to the d- detriment of other potential um, mechanisms and treatments. Yeah. And... As part of the the phase three study, there was a, a disclosure of a conflict of interest showing that nearly all of the researchers involved were either employed by shareholders or stockholders in Eli Lilly, the company that's producing the drug. Does this affect the reliability and the validity of this trial? No, this this is not uncommon for pharmaceutical companies to uh, fund their own phase three trials. They're incredibly expensive. They've done a lot of research and development on the compound. Um, but there are strict rules around what's required for a phase three uh, trial. Well, they would have to adhere to these. Uh, so for a phase three trial, uh, you're talking well over a thousand participants, usually a couple of thousand participants. Uh, they also need to be randomized and double blinded, which means both the participants and the researchers have no idea who is in which group. Okay, so it's very controlled. Uh, also, there's the peer review process. So the paper has come out and it has been peer reviewed. Um, so these are, are some of the measures we use to check the validity of studies. So uh, this isn't uncommon um, for pharmaceutical companies to to fund and use their own facilities for these trials. Yeah. So finally, what do you think are the next steps going forward in terms of Alzheimer's research? It's incredibly complex disease. Uh, I think we're, uh, we're still a long way from understanding the disease processes. There's many, many different factors. Um, so I think where we're at now, I, th- I think we are understanding that there are certain um, percentage of the population that have a susceptibility um, to develop dementias, and in, in particular in this case, Alzheimer's disease. Uh, but what triggers that process is uh, what we really need to understand. Um, so it's, it's a bit like a, a plane crash. Okay, So all these factors need to fall into place. And um, several areas of, of research looking at these second insults that might be the triggers, particularly looking at neuroinflammation, so some other insult in the brain, or 
um, like we were talking about with these chronic cardiovascular diseases, uh, so type 2 diabetes, uh, high blood pressure, etc., these cause a low level of systemic inflammation uh, in the body. So these might be what is required for treating diseases. Um, then we get things like oxidative stress and mitochondrial dysfunction, and all these other factors have to, to play a role in particularly the brain that is then susceptible to the development of a disease. But it's going to be multiple different diseases, so very, very complex. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming in today and for explaining a bit more about Alzheimer's and how it works and these drugs that are coming out. I think it's very topical and important to a lot of people to understand what it actually means. Yeah, where we're at. It's exciting times. Yeah, and hopefully there'll be more breakthroughs in the future. There certainly will be. Thank you, Ash.